you for being you. Thank you for being here. Here is the Suicide Prevention Show, where we are waking up the world. And to help us wake up the world and find our way back to ourselves is the Wayfinder. None other than Margie Haas. And I cannot wait to go on this journey with you because what she is doing and what she has in store for us is going to be quite a journey. So here we go. Without further ado, Miss Margie, would you join me in the studio? Oops. Ah, there you are, almost. The camera was on, the camera was off. There's the camera on. Hello, Jackie. <laughs> Hi, Margie. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice to see you again. It's nice to see you again, too, Margie. We are going to have a wonderful discussion going on on this topic of wayfinding. And earlier, um, there had been a conversation as wayfinding was sort of like the end of the spectrum. And I'm going, hmm. You know, they started with advocate and unifier and truth teller and then wayfinder. And I'm like, how perfect, because I'm going to be talking to the wayfinder later. <laughs> and it was really, really wonderful. So I'm that's with the perfect setup for what we're going to be talking about. It sure is. All right. Why do we need? I'm, I'm just going to go there. This is this is deep dive. Here we go. Why do we need help to find ourselves? I mean, it's like, didn't I just sort of leave myself right here? Well, I think really, the that, I mean, that's a great question, Jackie, but I think really what we're talking about is not finding ourselves with a small O, but finding our real soul self. You know, what, what, What's the, our soul energy, what really gives us oh, inspiration, um, the, the desire to go on? Because life is a challenge. Life can be very challenging, as we all know. So um, it, it's really, uh, how, how do we find that soul sense that something that's maybe that's greater than us that inspires us to not give up. You know, the Dalai Lama said, never, ever, ever give up. And sometimes oh, I have to even remind myself of that. Oh, because <laughs> I really respect him. I mean, he's what he's in his early 80s and he just keeps going and trucking and talking to groups all over the world every day. And he never gives up. Never. That's true. So I'm curious, Margie, would you take us back on this journey? Um, you know, your story is going to let people get to know you. So I'm really looking forward to, to this journey with you because this difference between ourselves with a small O and ourselves with a capital O is worth exploring because it's such a subtle difference and I get the feeling, though, that it has made a significant difference in your world. So tell us how that happened. Well, that, that's, a, that's a profound question. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, finding our, our soul essence or finding out really that we're eternal beings is something that I hope all of us find out over time. You know, for me, I think it happened um, 
You know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was a brilliant coach on death and dying, mm -hmm. I went to hear one of her workshops. And um, at some point, somebody was talking about, you know, that, uh, talking about reincarnation. And it sounds, I mean, this is a long time ago. I won't say how long, because actually I don't remember. But, but the, the person started talking about it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's right were reincarnated. I hadn't really given it thought. I think I was in my mid thirties or even younger. And um, I, I had done the S training and, and everything sort of shifted. And I wondered if it was the training or me. So I went to hear Elizabeth Kubler-Ross for a weekend. Okay, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. That was a lot of um, really nice sounding things that, that I want to deep dive into. One, you said EST training, EST? Yes. And so for people who don't know what EST yeah. means in the world, what is EST? Oh, okay. So and now I think it's called Landmark. Um, it, was uh, a, it was a two weekend training. Mm -hmm. okay. where, you know, it was sort of popularized. They won't let you go to the bathroom, which actually isn't true. But um, it was it was um, a way to learn more about ourselves. And uh, because I spent so much time in the Far East, especially in Japan, to me, it was a lot like a Zen training. It was more about just telling the truth and learning more about we're powerful beings as human beings. So and um, it changed, transformed a lot of people's lives, including mine. Um, what it was just a safe place to learn okay. that um, even though I was bored, bored silly in my job and my relationship was kind of wonky, uh, that, that I, I could change all that or I could at least have a positive attitude about it. And my attitude mm -hmm. was going to inform my life. So that's where... Uh, I think we have to start with the idea of you, way finding yourself back to you. You're, it's really you're finding your soul essence, you know, Jackie. And as we get older, hopefully we start to realize that we're eternal beings, that death isn't the end. Mm. Uh, but you do want to die in a good state. You don't want to <laughs> die from taking your own life because there's no, there's, that's just putting your life on a hold button. You want, but if you die with a sense of at least peace, um, that shifts everything. I said so much here. I don't know. <laughs> ah, that's okay. Because what I really wanted was I wanted people to understand the perspective that you're coming from. And we live in a world of shortcuts. So Ooh, EST yeah. or EST um, you know, it had a, a meaning. And of course, now you're right. Um, I, I've forgotten that it rebranded as Landmark, which is easier for people to understand than, than the acronym. The power of understanding that attitude informs life. You said things changed for you, that things shifted. How, you know, come on, tell me what, how did you know? I mean, what was the observable third party that, that something had changed? Well, you know, that's a good question, but it, it's also subtle. It was really a process. I mean, I remember in the S training, the first weekend, they said, you can set your alarm to come back tomorrow because they ran till two or three in the morning in Manhattan. But um, they, they told us how to set our alarms 
in, in by visualizing a big clock and just setting it in our mind. And so it started with that kind of thing and to realize, and I did it and it worked. I said an alarm is a backup, but I didn't need it. So it, it's sort of a process, you know, learning that we were not our limitations. And that's what my, my work is really about is working with people on, you know, reach past your limitations and um, unlock your cosmic perspective, by which I simply mean operate as though you are eternal, operate as though you can transform, you can change. And yes, yeah, circumstances can be awfully difficult. The pandemic has made all of us realize, oh my gosh, the restraints, the, you know, the lack of relationships face to face, but still, um, our attitude is, is just everything. And, and I think that's a spiritual practice. That's something that I, I don't know that I could have articulated it then, but that was a lot what es or all of these powerful uh, transformational experiences, the, the high spiritual teachers are really telling you, change your mood, change your life. You gotta focus on the positive. And that is a practice for every single one of us. And I don't mean this stand, sitting here glibly saying, hey, you know, just do it. it. It's a practice. It's like meditation. All right. I, you know, I went for a walk to center myself before tonight. And I was thinking something negative about somebody. And I thought, no, how can I rephrase that? Why am I walking around thinking blah, 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 negative about that person? That's, you know, or, or about myself. So how can I rephrase that? But I had to consciously go, wait, now this is not, you know, practice what you preach. <laughs> practice what I preach. There you go. You know, it, it, it's a, it's one of those things that we have some expectations that says, oh, I've been working through this. I've, I've, work through, I've let go, I've peeled back layers, I've even forgiven. Why am I still buying t-shirts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true that we are creatures of habit. Yes, so, and when we go down those dark tunnels or look at what's wrong, and, and, you know, you could say, well, things are really kind of wrong right now. I have a client where, oh, my gosh, the challenges she faces between her two sick, negative mood parents. But, you know, you can still you can still change your attitude. Attitude's about the only thing I think we can change. Yes. It, you know, we agree we that. But we don't get permission to change our attitude when we're growing up. We get told to do it, but not how to do it. Yeah. yeah. Change your attitude, young lady. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because what's step one? Yeah. Okay. So what's step one? If somebody wants to change their attitude, if they want to have you know, beyond awareness, because you, know, you have to start with you were aware of the fact you were thinking negatively about someone. Yeah. So someone who's just starting the journey back to themselves or aha, when you were just starting the journey back to yourself, you started with a two day weekend. What right. are your options? So, I mean, there are various things you can do. 
first of all, start to kind of sneak in on your own chatter. You know, what, what am I saying? Like, you know, I was just walking, looking at birds, which I love to do. And suddenly I noticed I was in this, you know, I was already in this negative judgment about myself and mm -hmm. this other person. And, you know, so I had to first, oh, wait a minute, stop. This is not, I don't want to go there. It's done. I did, I screwed up, but I, I'm done. So then read, re, recast the whole thing. But there, there are other things we can do to stop the chatter. One is to, um, let's see. In fact, there's a book called Chatter that just came out by Ethan Cross, spelled with a K. And he suggests three interesting ways that, you know, to, to shift our perspective. And one of them is, is what I was doing, get out in nature. And, and um, it's interesting, this has been scientifically proven to shift your brain, shift your chemistry. So it's not just like, it's not just sort of making it up. It, it shifts your body. It shifts your mindset. But if you shift your body, you shift your mindset. And um, for me also, and, and this is something else he suggests, you know, look at things that give you, ins inspire awe in you. Mm. And for me, birding, being outside in nature, and I'm looking at these beautiful swallowtail kites that have a nest in my neighborhood, and uh, look today like the female on one of the nests had spread herself out kind of bigger over the nest. And I thought, mm, I think there may be babies that have just hatched there. And, um, but, but I went to awe. Oh, and I can see it in your perfect. face. <laughs> she, looks, she looks so protective and spread out like that. It was, it was touching, but it was also, then I started thinking about, Oh my gosh, how do they get here? You know, they go all the way to South America for six months to Brazil, and then they fly over the Gulf, come back to the same exact nest from last year. Wow. And, and, and hopefully her mate comes back too. They don't even fly together. So I'm just thinking about all these awe-inspiring things. They're bigger than I am. And I, I, I forget about my silly blah, 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 negative things. So I'm shifting the place I'm in. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's just any kind of what they would call in, in therapy is pattern interrupt. You know, I, I was talking to a client over the weekend who was really upset uh, with her family situation. And I said, can you get outside? Just get outside, you know, and, and get out and, and tell me if the stars are there. It, what's the moon look like? And, and that's an interruption in the negativity within the house. And anything, you know, watching an ant cross the floor or get it off the counter without killing it. And what's an ant doing in the house? Well, how did it get in there? But we can think about, ooh, from the ant's perspective, what does it see? You know, it's a big world in this kitchen. <laughs> and then and another thing he suggests, and. I know this is more challenging perhaps, but he says, um, you know, organize things, declutter. Ah. And I'm thinking, well, I could do my sock drawer. <laughs> you know, so, or, or just um, 
consciously set out things that are a mess. Like my desk, I, I like to sort of have a mess, but then I also go, whoa. And just settling, organizing makes me feel different. It shifts my perspective. Those seem, that may seem sort of superficial, but it's putting a sense of order in the chaos, which seems to be ever present, right? I see you're laughing. So it's just it's well, always there. I, I'm laughing because for years I talked with my clients about if you're struggling with chaotic thoughts, you know, go clean out a closet. Yeah. And one of the ways you'll know that you're having an impact on your mindset, that, that it's actually starting to work, is that you will find that you are cleaning out a closet without having to think about it. You know, you'll be finding that you're organizing things. So there's the organizing that we do consciously to help bring the mind into alignment. And then there's the organizing that starts happening once the mind is in alignment. Because yeah. I think it's inertia. You know, order wants order. Yes. Yes. And that changes mindset and helps us with the ever-present challenge or training of staying positive. And, and I think that's a spiritual practice. And I'm, I'm sad to say that media seems awfully committed to the latest scary, creepy um, thought or, you know, so if you're watching the news, or if I'm watching the news, then I need to think, what's a better thought? What? Because it really, we, we need to, to focus, stay focused on the positive. All right. So let's just go there because there is so much controversy around, but you're not being realistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it's like somebody said, if, if you're going to focus on the positive, that means you're not going to watch the news. And if you're not going to watch the news, that means you're disconnected from reality. So let's go ahead and give them an answer, Margie. All right. So first of all, what is reality? <laughs> but I don't mean this glibly. Like, okay. what is reality? Is it out there? Is it out there? Yeah, you could say, you know, I'm talking to you. You're real. I'm real. But... What's really real? I mean, I, I'm not being like uh, making a Zen riddle out of this. Like you can't find emotions. If you dissect somebody, you can't find their emotions. You can't find their thinking. So maybe the real world is inside, is our soul, is our eternal being. So if we start really listening for, you know, if soul and eternal find overwhelming to you, then maybe just go in or start watching your energy. Is it going up when I'm watching this? Is it going down when I'm watching this? Or is it like, eh, it's neither good nor bad. So it makes, we can become aware of the impact it has on us. Absolutely. And, and where does that come from? It comes from tracking inner energy within us. The real world is within us. And it looks like even new physics seems to really strongly suggest that I'm projecting you, the TV, the, the Zoom. My whole world is a projection from inside me. And so if people say, you know, hey, you're not, you're not facing the real world, uh, they could, you know, you... <laughs> You can always say, well, what's real? And they might go, oh, lady, 
you know, and, and then probably it's good to just walk away because <laughs> they're not on the same wavelength. Well, and most of us are not on the same wavelength. I mean, that's just sort of a yeah. in and of itself. But understanding that we are not um, bound by convention. So the question is, is it a good idea to work towards being able to watch the news with equanimity? We are staying equal so that we don't um, lose touch with the bigger world. Or is it okay to just walk away from all of that? You know, I think everybody has to make their own decision about that. But to me, the news is not the bigger world. And um, I'm, I'm afraid I'm old enough to say that news used to be different. Um, I, I, if we want to talk about news on TV, where both sides were represented. I mean, I remember when Eisenhower... Um, was going vote was in an election with Adlai Stevenson. My family were clear they were voting for Ike for Eisenhower, but we weren't vilifying the opposition. He was a cool guy, was really smart and elegant, and he was respected and respectful. Mm -hmm. So now I think we take one side of thing, but you know when it comes to the news, personally I don't watch it. First of all, we can get, I can get enough news on the computer, but even then I try to be positive, but I also try to go, wait a minute, is this, is this, I mean, we, you know, we're kind of saturated. We're overloaded with news. So we are, what, what's really important for us to know? Well, I think we could all agree if we're on the computer, the internet, we can usually find out really quickly. I mean, if there's something really important, like a storm coming up, I love our local network here in Sarasota. If, if there's a possibility of a tornado, then I'm on the news because it could come down my street and that I need to take precautions. So, but otherwise I follow my energy. Most of the time, the TV is off. Well, I'm aware with that. I'm, I'm all on board with that. The having grown up in households with a TV on, having had husbands who had the TV on all the time, when I ended up living alone, I had moved and one day my computer went out and I'm like, okay, so I don't know if it's my computer or if it's the internet, you know, it's the cable. So I went into the living room and turned on the TV to see if the cable was working. And that's when I realized that I had never hooked it up. I'd lived there over two months. <laughs> yeah, the cable was still hanging. Yeah, and I was like, hmm, okay, that's not gonna help me. The, the power of being in control of what images come into my mind this is where I've been spending a lot of time, especially in these last few months. And it's like another level of control to be able to say, you don't get to choose what comes into my eyes. That's been a game changer for me. For people who are wanting to make a positive change, what else can they do beyond taking the control over what's coming in through their eyes? What's another simple thing they can do? 
Well, you know, I think it really does come back to think of things that are greater than you are that inspire you. You know, is it, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact terminology, but there was a SpaceX, uh, they sent, uh, was it four or six astronauts from Florida, here in Florida, uh, on the Space Coast, they sent them to, oh, jeepers, now I'm forgetting the name, but the circulating uh, space station. Ah. And they launched, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. And a friend of mine took his 90-year-old dad who'd never seen it, and they had a tent. He found a cool place right off the beach, you know, away from the crowds, mm -hmm. to, um, to, to photograph it, but also to show him what it was like. And there was such, I, his photos were filled with a sense of wonder. And I was like awe-inspired. It's like, ooh, you know, I, I never really thought I necessarily wanted to go see it. But when I saw his photos... And it sounds so silly to say, but even after the, the, the rocket had taken off, there was this cool, almost like figure eight uh, sign of Omega in the sky from the exhaust. So like, that's a sense of wonder. And it's greater than I am. I wasn't even there, but the photos evoke the sense of wonder. And I think that sense of something bigger than we are, for a lot of people, that could be religion, but it could also be spirituality. And also a sense of, you know, really starting to listen. Are we, do we die when we die or is that it? Or what, what could give us a sense of maybe we don't, we're eternal beings and we're just having these, uh, these, these lifetimes, but, but, you know, they say, and I, I think I've done enough studying and thinking that they say, you know, when you die, your consciousness goes on, which means you're still thinking. You're still, you're still, I mean, if you don't have a body, think about that. But it seems like consciousness goes on. In fact, consciousness may be the ground for everything. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's hard for me to even get a sense of that. But it's amazing to me. Wow, you mean we're all from consciousness? That's plants, animals, the lizard on the wall, the ant in the kitchen, you know, and, and plants. The whole thing is consciousness. And what does that even mean? But that comes back to wonder. That's the cosmic perspective. And I think even if you, I mean, I keep thinking about this American Indian story. His name was... Um, uh, uh, Sequoia Truthblood, I think was his name. And he spent a lot of time in jail. And it was a very evolved man. I mean, it sounds contradictory, but it's a long story. And I think he's died now, but, um, or left this plane of consciousness. But um, he talks about, he'd done enough study that by the time he was put in solitary confinement for a year, that it was the greatest gift he'd ever had. He, he really had to look in. And, you know, when he, when he got out of jail, he spent his whole life talking to people of all ilk, like blacks, whites, Indians, um, and how they could live in harmony. And, and really walking his talk and taking care of the prisoners, going back and, and, and um, taking care of them once he was free. I mean, it just, so what is, what is, being imprisoned, I, I think being in negative thoughts, we can always 
change our attitude. And believe you me, sometimes it's like, I don't want to hear what you're saying. I like my negative mood. Really? Margie, get off it. You know, I like it for a while until things, I mean, because I think we create our reality. So then if I'm really grumpy, the postman throws, you know, my letter on the floor, on the ground and it gets wet and the dogs come in sopping wet and they're not properly dried off. And it's just a horrible day. So, you know, what we focus on, we manifest. So why not? Again, it's a practice. Focus on the positive. The simplistic nature of wonder. Uh, there was a TV show once called The Wonder Years. Yeah, it was this period of time in our lives that we are still carefree as kids. We haven't hit high school. We're not thinking of college and growing up and, and all of that mature stuff, you know, the adult stuff. And we're old enough to have an, a, a sort of a, more of a self-awareness. And the kid who played the lead character in this, they did an episode about the moon landing you know, that occurred during the moon landing and how his watching the moon landing, all of a sudden picking up the phone and calling the girl from class who he wanted to get to know better didn't seem like such a big, hairy, scary deal. <laughs> and that really stuck with me because we're talking about reclaiming our ability to have perspective. Yes, we are. And, you know, Yes, we can take it all the way to you know, the Buddhist, make me one with everything, or I am one with everything. But even just pulling it, just moving it a little bit from where we are can give us back this sense of wonder, give us back some perspective that maybe what we've been concerned about is not such a big, hairy, scary deal. And even if it is, I think our attitude just informs so much of what we end up manifesting. So maybe that's a good topic for us to go off in. We'll go off on this tangent of manifesting, what it is, what it isn't, and why it seems like some people have mastered manifesting and some people, no matter what they do, that's not showing up the way they want it to. So there we go. We're angels fear to tread, Margie. Let's go. So again, I really think it's um, it's focusing on what we want and then taking action. The challenge with the and I, I love the answer. It's incredibly simple. And what comes up for me is. Do you have a step-by-step -step for focus? Do I? Uh-huh. I felt like I was back in Sunday school there for a minute. Can I have something <laughs> to testify? Yeah. Can, yeah. No, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think from all that in my own experience and, and watching other people, the more you if you're clear on what you want and you focus on it and you nourish the, the images of it and you get a sense feeling of how it would be. And uh, then you gather your courage and you take action. And, and also not to worry so much about, I mean, I know I get hung, hung up in, 
oh my God, I haven't talked to this person in 20 years. What are they going to think? And it's like, yeah, well, maybe they'll like it. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll say, you know, I can't get past the secretary. So, um, but, you know, it's also maybe coming back to not taking ourselves too seriously, even though I'm saying almost, in, it's, it may sound contradictory that I think the more we're clear and focused on what we want and nourish that as an idea and then take action accordingly. Accordingly. There we go. I, I think that's really key because we take all kinds of busy action, you know, ineffective action or the actions we think we should do. Right. And then we get should on by the results. What if we can give people an easy way, Margie? Well, actually you did. So I'm just I'm, I'm going to spill the beans here because what you have created, which is accessible to anyone who is on Facebook, you know, this journey into Wonderland, this journey into this sense of wonder. So I love that it is there. And the links will be put in the chat in just a minute. The value of reclaiming the sense of wonder. When we focus on the positive, when we focus on what it is that we want, the odds of us getting more of what we want go up dramatically. And there's just so much empirical evidence to cover that. What's the challenge? You know, what's, what's going on in the world that so many people are so unhappy? And how do we help? Because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is the purest form of suicide prevention. This is something anybody can do everywhere. With yeah, it doesn't cost anything. You don't right. need it. You don't need an app. You know, there's no app for this. Right. Yeah. So, I think it again. It's 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 um, you know, staying positive is a high discipline. Again, it's a spiritual practice. But I think also learning and exploring and studying to me are part of it. So in my Facebook group, to which I invite everybody, my private Facebook group, Wayfinding the Cosmos, I really want to share with people, hey, you can explore, you can study, you can learn amazing new things to create a sense of awe, but also... I work a lot with people that have trauma and I, I really am committed to their overcoming their trauma. So I, I do a lot of counseling with people that have faced pretty horrendous things and I'll do whatever it takes. Um, uh, but it's always a soul journey. In other words, exploring how has this stopped me or what was the gift in this horrendous experience? But it's also... Um, working with people don't stop, even if it seems really challenging. Seek help. And if it's really hard to seek help, just focus, focus, focus on what you need comes to you. Because again, I think our world is, comes from within us. So if we're focusing on there's nobody out there, oh my God, this, this is pointless, that's the way it will be. And, and this is, I don't mean this glibly. I'm not saying I'm this queen of virtue here. I mean, you know, I, 
I really have to sneak up on myself and go, Margie, that's not an appropriate thing to say. What the heck were you doing there? You know, but I also have to then forgive myself, move on. And here I'm supposed to be teaching other people about this, but life is like that. You know, we have to, but we, we have to, we have to at least find the better thought. There we go. The better action. Yeah. There, there's been some really good books. I mean, you know, um, the Abraham Hicks um, asking yeah. it is given. And it's like, you know, what's the next highest thought? Yeah. And I've um, worked with a book called The Cortex Circuit, and it has a different hierarchy of emotions. As a matter of fact, I have it posted on my wall because the ability to go, where am I? And what's the next highest thought? And in The Cortex Circuit, in the middle, from the constricting emotions to the expanding emotions, in the middle, they put courage. Yes. Which I had never thought of as being the pivot point. You know, it's not that it's an expanding emotion. It's this neutral pivot point in that system. Wow, cortex circuit. That sounds really interesting because I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think the the importance of courage, bravery, we don't talk so much about that anymore. And and I think that's what the Dalai Lama means when he says never ever ever give up. I keep that by my bed in a frame, the quote that he has there. But he's he's really saying gather your courage, you know, you can get through this. And it I mean, you know, we we all I mean he had amazing challenges. He left his country Mm-hmm. all his goodies as, as a, as a high being, you know, I mean, he had all these fabulous toys and, oh my gosh. Oh, I, I understand. That's a, it's an amazing story because he is like, I am a simple soldier. Yeah. He, he became very simple yes. to be able to um, come into that, into the exile that he's been in ever since. So without getting on the political side of it, the reality is that he was able to release any attachment to the life that he had been raised in right. in order to fulfill whatever he saw as his purpose in this world. The fact that he was raised with a sense of purpose. Yes. I think that that's one of the things that somehow are as human beings, I don't know if we are evolving into a sense of purpose and we're just starting to be aware that it could be a life-saving you know, way to live, or if we used to have it and somehow we lost it in whether it's the industrial age or the information age or the whatever age. Um, you know, and I really don't need to know, but I'm curious, what do you think? About the sense of purpose? Well, yeah, I, I actually think it's um, sort of like, you know, they talk about the Holy Grail and the night looking for the Holy Grail. Well, maybe the Holy Grail, at least now, not maybe, I think it is finding one's unique sense of purpose. And as you, you know, I, I'm in a, I, I've been studying in um, human design, which is a discipline for a long time, which specifically focuses on everyone finding their unique purpose. And in fact, anybody, um, 
who wants to come to my website, if you contact me, I'm happy to do a coaching session on what is your unique purpose. Ooh, I think it's- Sign me up. I'll do that for you. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. Because I call August the 3rd, 2019, the day my purpose tapped me on my shoulder. Because that's the day that my daughter, Stephanie, delivered the seven-minute talk where she broke over 20 years of silence around her multiple suicide attempts. And oh, that seven-minute talk, and I just did this timeline last night for my team, that seven-minute talk is what eventually led to me taking a TEDx stage and on this topic just a few months ago. So it was that day. I was totally unprepared for it, totally blindsided by it. I was not running a spiritual retreat or anything on this topic. I was teaching entrepreneurial women how to sell themselves on themselves and deliver talks. You know, yeah. I, sales from the inside out, messages that matter. That was my entire focus. And right. boom. Now, the shift took about a year before I finally realized that, okay, I'm doing this now and I'm not doing the entrepreneurial work. I'm shifting more and more into this realm. Right. And, and then this year, the TEDx stage, something changed. And I still have no clue what my purpose is, but I know that the journey to deliver the talk on have the talk to end teen suicide, try to stop teen suicide, the, the journey grew something. But I still have no idea what my purpose is. I know that there is a purpose to make suicide a thing in the past, especially teen suicide. Well, I think I think what you're doing is you're, you're following your unique energy. You're responding to what's showing up in your own family and your own surround. And we can claim purpose, but you could have ignored it. You could have done many, or you could have done many other things. Oh, trust me, if she had broken that silence anyway, other than the way she did it publicly at my own event, I probably would have found a way to ignore it because I'd been ignoring it for decades. Well, I'm so touched by your, your willingness to be frank about this. I'm very moved because um, I, I, I'm touched by her need to make a public cry for help. But, and I'm also very touched by your response. And you're, you have a very powerful aura and you can just take action you can manifest right away when you are committed. And that's true for everybody. People have different ways they're going to do it. If they're not you, they're not me. I have a different human design. Even, uh, and everybody is extremely unique in that regard. But, and, and uh, again, if, if people want to come to my Facebook group, Wayfinding the Cosmos, contact me on Messenger. I'm happy to talk more about how you find your purpose. And, and within that, we're, even though we're all so unique, you know, Jackie, we also each have so much um, creativity. Like, look at what you've done with this. It's just amazing <laughs> that you, you get, you've done the TEDx talks, you do these, you know, these, every, these periodic really big events and so many people are becoming much more aware. It's, it's awesome. So 
Yes, we're born with purposes, specific purposes, but also even within that, uh, we can all seize the day in our own way. And if you don't know your sense of purpose, follow your energy. If your energy's going up, take that first step. You know, when, if your daughter makes that kind of announcement, once you recover from the shock of it or the. Oh, yeah. My, my, my energy went down along with all the blood in my face. Yeah, because I'd lived through her multiple suicide attempts, but I didn't know that she was going to be talking about suicide at my event. That's especially her story. So it, it's, as a matter of fact, that story is what I ended up sharing on the TEDx stage, which is if you had asked me, you know, a year ago, would I ever? I would have said no. Yeah. But, you know, it's also seizing your purpose or or really not even talking about a purpose, like it's the only purpose you can have. But what's really impressive is that once you're confronted with a challenge, you were brave. We're talking about bravery here. You were brave. You seized the day and you figured the way to publicly counteract that with your bravery was to do a TEDx talk. Whoa, it didn't start out that way. <laughs> it didn't start out with, I was going to do a TEDx talk. I mean, it, it started out with, how can I do something with this that then I can still hide? You know, I mean, I, we published an anthology. Over 20 people got together, sent in their stories. We put this together really fast and published this book and work to get it in the hands of teens to help them break the silence and start talking about suicide. It was a way of getting things started. And I thought that's all it was gonna be. And it wow. might've stayed there, except that one of my mentors said, Jackie, take a TEDx stage on this topic. You know, take how to stop suicide into the world I, that, I would never have done it otherwise if yeah. I had been specifically directed and and guided to do that because it was never on my mind to do a TEDx stage I like really small groups yeah. but look at what you've done I you you've summoned your courage you checked you followed your energy and a lot of us end up in crises that when we're in crises they're already there. It isn't like we're yoohoo, I'm going to present, I'm going to ha have a crisis. It's or you already are in one and you can take action or not. So you mm -hmm. gathered your courage. And I'm sure over that period, you've had to focus over and over again on positive thoughts and what am I thinking and correct them. But you know, also, you must have experienced a sense of awe, sense of wonder even in the midst of the challenge. When resources started showing up without me asking, you know, without absolutely. me telling even. And you're yes. showing the world how to counteract this. So you're focused on more than your little self. So you're being a high-minded example, you know, of cosmic transformation. <laughs> oh, wow. But that's, but that's way... Then, then we, then we live and die in a sense of peace and joy. You know, that's an interesting place to be. And so that's the lesson of our session is that when you are 
consciously aware, consciously doing what you can to control your thinking, imagining the energy that moving you up or down and taking action accordingly. Yes. That the outcome of that is living in a place of peace and joy, no matter what's going on around you. Amen. There you go. That's what I'm taking away from this session. So there we go. And please come in. And um, I think you're already on my uh, Wayfinding the Cosmos. Oh, I am. When Thanks you first announced it, I, I joined it. So I was right. in the group from the very beginning. So, so the link is come in and the join chat. And we'll continue this exciting conversation, these exciting conversations. Thank you so much. Oh, Margie, I am so delighted that you joined and that you are on this journey that you're on and sharing it with so many other people. Thank you very much for being you. And, and you being you, this is really wonderful. We can celebrate in this, <laughs> in this uh, positive place. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome, Margie.